So this is the third study, and uh, Daryl began. We saw that through the trials, uh, through, though trials are definitely a bumpy road for us to travel on, not exactly enjoyable. Uh, uh, there was a certain satisfaction, even a cause for joy, as we understood that uh, that God allowed these things in our lives because he loves us, because there's a plan for us. And he didn't do it uh, just to make us feel bad or for us to stress. Uh, it was a plan authored by the perfect uh, love of God for us. Uh, our trials develop patience. Uh, a friend of mine told me a long time ago, patience is learning to be happy while you wait. And I believe that. And, and uh, this is our part. It says, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. The word led here is we have to allow our trials to work in us. If uh, we kick against the goads or we constantly fight with our trials, we really don't learn much. You've got to ask, what do you wish to accomplish in me? Why am I going through this? Uh, what would you have me do? We're going to be in 1, uh, verse 12 is where we're going to start. Uh, last week, Tony covered the simplicity of acquiring wisdom. Ask for it. Uh, God's promise, supply it without reproach. Uh, be faithful in your request. Remove doubt from your request. Uh, doubt's like the, the, the shackles our request to God. Uh, faithfulness frees us, opens the door. Uh, there's an equality in the rich and the poor because Jesus is everyone's lowest common denominator. I read this, and, and I just got to share it with you. As the poor brother forgets his earthly poverty... So the rich brother forgets all his earthly riches. By faith in Christ, the two are equals. It was Hebrew. Last week, Tony mentioned that James is like cyclical. It seems he just goes from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And each one is concise and works together, works by itself. Uh, and I, th- I agree with that. I think that's true. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 15, the first chapter. And we'll see how James deals with temptation. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. We're blessed, Lord, to call you our our Father, our God and Savior, our Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, your patience with us, Lord. And as we go through our walk with you, Jesus, may we just stay faithful. May we stay wise and may we stay strong, Lord. Direct our steps, Lord. Teach us by your word and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then... When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So blessed is the man who endures temptation. When he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Uh, Verse 12 begins with the word blessed. Uh, Happy. Uh, Blessed is the man. So we're told right in advance you're going to be happy. And I like that. Isn't it wonderful when a verse begins with this promise of happiness? The assurance of this is that God 
cannot and will not lie. So if he promised you a blessing, you're going to get a blessing. Uh, And I love that. It's a guarantee. It's not a possibility. It doesn't say you might be happy, but you will. Uh, Here's a blessing in Psalm 37. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of a heart. In Proverbs, uh, sometimes the opposite comes down. God can also promise you uh, a problem, uh, a difficulty. The first time this nailed me in Proverbs, uh, when wisdom speaking to us, and wisdom says, because I've called you and you refused, I've stretched out my hand and no one regarded, because you disdained all my counsel, would have none of my rebuke, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes, when your terror comes like a storm, when your destruction comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. When I read that, I went, wow, God's promises are real. God doesn't lie. So it goes both ways. And tonight, we're going to have kind of the same kind of polar opposites. Uh, We're going to notice that this study begins with the word blessed, and it ends with the word death. So then, what will earn this blessing? It's the man who endures temptation. And enduring temptation is a demonstration of our love for Jesus. It's, it's pretty simple. It's where the rubber meets the road. Endure is, uh, is uh, defined as to suffer something painful or difficult patiently. Like as if it seemed impossible anyone could endure such pain. Uh, remain in existence, to last. These cities have endured through time. At first glance, to me, at first glance, it seemed like enduring wasn't a, an, a, a verb almost. It was like you just sat there and, and took it, you know? Uh, when, we, when, we, when we execute an action, we're doing something. Like we visit the sick, the incarcerated. Uh, we serve in various ministries. And from our action comes blessing because our God is generous. Uh, when we endure, there appeared to, appeared to be kind of a passive nature to it. Uh, but it's still an action verb. Uh, it, it, if we look at what enduring is, we find it will be a little bit more complicated than I first thought. Uh, in the, did anybody see the movie Unbroken? Uh, you know, Louis Zamberini. Samparini, a, a captured American airman, he endures. He endured 47 days in a life raft. And then uh, when him, him and his raft mate were finally plucked from the ocean, uh, he was plucked by the Japanese. Bad luck. Uh, then he endured as a POW, cr- really cruel and sadistic treatment by the commandant of the prison camp, who was legendary in his hateful treatment of, uh, of the prisoners. Louis Zamparini endured. I was told uh, down the road that he was a Christian, a charismatic Catholic. There are also countless examples of Christians who have suffered for their faith, uh, for their devotion to Christ. And and they've endured unbelievable stuff. We read about it in in books. Uh, Treatment at the hands of various oppressors over the years. Today, ISIS comes to mind. It's something we watch on television, which is unbelievable. Uh, The violence and cruelty that they perpetrate on Christians. But here we're called to endure, and this is kind of different. To me, this was different. 
We're not asked to endure beatings or hunger or humiliation or other stuff that comes at us. We're asked to endure temptation, temptation. Now, we might argue that temptation has an, ex- an external component, right? Uh, and, and it might, it might. But you got we give it legs to run. Uh, we're the ones that give temptation legs to run. Uh, we're the authors of our own temptation. And uh, it's kind of like I've met the enemy and it's me, <laughs> you know. So how do we face temptation when it knows us so well? It really does. You've got no place to run and hide from temptation. You can maybe run and ride, hide from an external thing, you know, that's out there jamming your circuits. But uh, from temptation, that's coming from inside you. So I came up with uh, looking, what's a good example of somebody who endured temptation? And I had to look at Jesus. And, you know, what would Jesus do has become a cliche. It's really become kind of a cliche. Uh, and people kind of blow it off. And, and to me, that's kind of sad because he really showed us as well as told us uh, what to do. He showed us and told us what to do. Matthew 4, if you want to turn there. Then when Jesus was led led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Jesus used God's word uh, effectively. And God's word word is like, for me, it's my first line of defense when my personal temptations come up. And I guarantee you, as many people in this room, you could probably multiply it a hundred times. That's how many temptations are in this room. We all got a set of temptations that we have to deal with. Uh, in verse four, uh, I can almost hear this now. It isn't fair. Jesus is God. I hate it when I hear this. Jesus is God. I'm not God. Right. Okay. Uh, Jesus is indeed God, but while he, during his incarnation, was 100% God. He was also 100% man. Uh, he hungered, he thirsted, he felt pain, and among other things, he was tempted. He was tempted like us. Uh, because of his humanity, he's qualified to judge us. He knows our pain. He knows what we go through. Uh, he knows our temptations. 
And he knows and demonstrates how to deal with them. In verse 4, Jesus is tempted by his hunger. He answers the devil with the word of God. Deuteronomy 8.3, So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He quoted scripture. In verse 5, Satan tempts Jesus to reveal his deity. And he basically says, prove that you're God. Prove that you're God. And uh, he even uses scripture. You know, he tries to get on on that bandwagon. Didn't work. In verses 8 and 9 of Matthew, Satan tempts Jesus with power and greed, offering him all the kingdoms of the world if Jesus would only worship him. Uh, Satan... uh, the devil always wanted to, that spot. He always wanted the throne, and that's what caused him such, uh, such problems. It was causing us such problems too. I might add, if if Satan didn't quit in challenging Jesus, why would anybody think that he's going to quit in challenging us? You know, I mean, here he's he's challenging the Son of God. He's going head on with him. He loses, but he's going to maybe pick on somebody. Uh, uh, a little easier to get. When when Jesus says, uh, you shall worship the Lord your God and only him shall you serve. And Deuteronomy again, it shall be that if you, it, if you do, if thou do it all, forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. And I could hear it again. He say, oh sure, Jesus can quote scripture. He wrote it, you know? Yeah. Now, unless the Bibles you walked in with are props, they're a good indication you can read. Uh, And unless you're masquerading as a believer by hanging out here on Tuesday night, uh, you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. So we can read, and we have the mind of Christ. We have the ability uh, to understand. We have the ability to remember uh, we have the mind of Christ. We're equipped. We're equipped to deal with our temptations. It's not that we're not equipped. Uh, we may we may decide to not try sometimes, uh, or maybe our our effort to to resist our temptations is weak, uh, for maybe a, a zillion different reasons. But uh, as our most perfect example, Jesus shows us how to deal with temptations. Hebrews four fifteen. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And that's our goal. You know, temptations will come. You're going to get tempted. There's no doubt. Trials will come. You're going to get tested by trials. But to come out of it without sin, and we are equipped to do that. That's what I don't sell. Too often we sell ourselves short, I think. We have the ability to be better. And uh, we get into this defeatist thing a lot of times. And we ought not do that, I think. Let's take a look at the Garden of Gethsemane. Talk about a trial. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. If you want to go there, you can. If not, I'll just go ahead and read. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. 
Then he said to him, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Would, Would the man that Jesus was really want to go to the cross? The man would not want to go to the cross, right? Uh, then he came to his disciples, found them sleeping, and said, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit, is, is, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Absolute obedience. The man that Jesus was for us was obedient to the Father's will. He was going to take a whooping for us. And it wasn't, it wasn't no lightweight thing. Uh, so he left and went away and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Prayer and the Word of God. There are weapons. There are weapons against temptation. Uh, it's, it, and we, like I said, we all suffer with it. And we all have these very same weapons weapons uh they may come at us from different directions we're the ones that give them legs to run we're the ones that that allow our temptations to grow in us uh (laughs) you met the enemy and it is us word of god and prayer they're formidable weapons they're they're not you know when you hear people say well at least we can pray it doesn't that kind of crack you up you know, it, it's like one of the most formidable weapons that the Lord has given us. And yet we, we so often choose it last. It's the last thing that we decide to go to after we exhaust all our own human stuff. Uh, so blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved. Our dedication, conviction, and commitment to Jesus can be gauged by our walk. And enduring temptation is one of the various trials mentioned in verse 2 that we studied the first uh, time around. Our love for the Lord is our strength, and that's our endurance. It's our love for Jesus that helps us, that gets us through our temptations. Uh, the proof uh, of who we are is not demonstrated by our actions in the good times, because in the good times, everybody's a Christian. It's, you know, I'd, I'd love it at jail. I'd, I'd like to ask, a lot of times I'd ask, how many of you are Christians? And they'd all, they didn't just raise their hand. It was like, yeah, I'm a Christian, you know, look at me. And I go, well, what are you doing here, you know? <laughs> what are you doing here then if you're a Christian? Uh, it's the love of God that en- en- enables us to withstand our trials and temptations. And it's only the love of God. And when we love him back, we got all the juice we need to get through. It's how we get through. Uh, once you get through your spiritual temptations, you will be approved. Let's be clear. Uh, jelly donuts, hamburgers, and ice cream will not send you to hell. You know, but they, they tempt us. They give us desires, you know. Uh, uh, there's, there's, there are serious and significant desires that could put you in jeopardy. And those, those temptations are what we endure. Mine are mine. Mine are mine. They're all mine. Uh, And yours are yours. Uh, We're all tempted. 
and we all have to endure them. That's our job. That's our job. That's what we do. That's, that's our love for the Lord in action. That's how we demonstrate our love for the Lord. And here comes the prize. We will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So I wonder, what, what is the crown of life? I couldn't find, uh, I found two commentaries. They were diametrically opposed. Uh, one said, the, uh, Adam Clark defined the crown of life. He saw it as the crown, as an allusion to the laurel crowns pla- placed on the heads of victorious Greek athletes. Another unnamed commentator felt that the Jewish Christians would have guarded those games as pagan and would be offended by them. So they, re- they thought the crown of life uh, was seen as kind of a spiritual kingship uh, here on earth, although ultimately they understood our citizenships in heaven. To me, the crown of life is the salvation of Jesus Christ uh, and God's love for me and my inadequate but hopefully ever-increasing love for him. If by enduring the temptations that come my way, I would be approved by him, I would be both like the victorious Greek athlete and like royalty here on earth. Every time I make it, and I fail, plenty. So then my love for Jesus will be my biggest weapon against the temptation I face, and I face him. His love for me, to this day, every day, blows me away. It absolutely blows me away. I can't understand it. It's so far beyond me. Uh, if I could understand it, it would, be, it would be to say that I understand God, and that's a lie. Uh, John 21, uh, verse uh, 21st chapter, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus appearing to, uh, to the disciples on the lake, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Lord, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Said to him, tend my sheep. Said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. So I've got to ask myself, how many times will Jesus have to ask me, do you love me? And I pray that I always answer, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And every time I face temptation, I pray I can prove it. I pray I can prove it because that's where the rubber meets the road. Crown of life, it's your gift. Enduring is an example of your dedication to Christ. It's our love for him that motivates us to endure. The depth of our faith dictates the depth of our endurance. Temptation is a force powered by the fall. Our sin nature is always with us until we go home to be with him who made us. And in Genesis, uh, God says to uh, uh, <laughs> Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Same applies to us, you know. It's the same thing. Uh, sin lies at the door. It's just just anxious to get at us. And uh, 
we're still we're still the author of our own faith. Uh, let no one say when he is tempted, verse 13, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. In the movie, uh, God is Not Dead, uh, how many saw that movie? You remember there was the local pastor and the visiting pastor. And they go back and forth where he says, God is good. The other answers all the time. To which comes reply, all the time. God is good. Uh, that's it. It's, it's that simple. It really is. It may sound simple, but it's fact. God is good. All the time. All the time. <laughs> uh, no, God, there is no bad in God. It's not in his character, not in his nature. God's eternal and infinite good. It, he's He's 100%, 24-7, 365 days a year, good. Uh, no, no days off, never too tired, never ever had a bad day or a bad anything for that matter. You know, His love is pure and complete, and in that love, there can be no enticement to evil. God is not going uh, to tempt you. He's not going to say, well, let's see what happens if. Uh, he doesn't want us to mess up. As we learned back in uh, verses 2 through 4, God will allow trials, and temptation is indeed a trial. Uh, but he'll only do it for our own good. He'll allow them, but he'll not set us up. He's not going to put a tripwire down for you. Uh, he will not tempt anyone anytime. He is unable to harm us, for that would violate his love for us. God might allow temptation, but does not cause it. God loves us too much to hurt us. It's that simple. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant, steadfast love with those who love him, and keeps his commandments to a thousand generations. Jeremiah 29, 11. I love this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for a welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Proverbs 8.17, I love those who love me. Those who seek me diligently find me. God loves us. And it's not Bill O'Reilly who's looking out for us. It's, it's, it's God. Uh, he doesn't want us to sin. He doesn't lay any traps for us. Uh, James in verse 14 identifies the problem. And it's not God. And no, the devil didn't make you do it. He didn't make me do it either. You know, everybody likes to do the Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. That was a great gag, but it's not true. Because God's word tells us clearly in verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Verse 14 tells us that we're the authors of our own temptation. We write the book. The devil's not mentioned here or anywhere in this study. Verse 13 explained that we cannot blame God. And here in 14, James puts the blame squarely on each one of us. There you go. Uh, the bling, bling, wicked world we live in certainly influences us. And it is. Especially when we fail to remind ourselves that we're in the world, but not of it. You know, there's so much enticement out there. And cert Satan is certainly on the prowl in this wicked world. He's the father of lies. He'll seize the temptation uh, we create 
and with their own desires, and he'll run with it. He'll take he'll take advantage of it. Uh, what did he say to Eve? Surely you will not die. Surely you will not die. He lies. I like to think of myself as a good guy. Uh, I love Jesus. I try to give him my best shot. I'm old enough to know better. And most of the time I do. Most of the time I go in that direction. I pray. I read my Bible. I go to midweek studies, Sunday mornings. I try to serve him the best I can. Here's the bottom line. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner saved by God's grace. (laughs) And I'm capable of messing up big time. And so the expression in New York Minute, I mean, I shouldn't even tell you this story. This is a BC Day story. Uh, I, so so I'll, I'll hide behind that. Uh, so I'm, this is how quick you can, you can change. Uh, I, was, I was kind of a rogue Catholic. I'm driving to work. I'm on the 5 freeway, and it's you know, 6.30 in the morning, and everybody's driving like maniacs. And I got a rosary, uh, and I'm saying the rosary. Right, and I'm just saying the rosary and driving along, and all of a sudden this guy cuts me off, and I flipped him off with the rosary in my hand, <laughs> you know, and I, and I just I looked up at my hand and I started laughing. I just thought, God, I went from from saint to sinner and bing like that before I could even, you know. So uh, we're not alone in in the way this thing works, you know. Uh, I'm not alone in that. This is one of my wow uh, sections of the Bible. Everybody, I think when you read the Bible the first time, you get, you get a wow section uh, or, you know, some verses that just make you go, oh, my goodness. Uh, now, by the time I got to this, I, I pretty much had Paul figured out as, as being a real heavyweight. You know, I mean, this guy loved the Lord like crazy. He was zealous beyond words. Uh, he 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 was an amazing man. I was reading all these these things that he had written. So I get to Romans fifteen twenty five. Uh, uh, wait a minute. Yeah, I, I, it's in Romans. Trust me. Uh, for what I am doing, I I'm, I don't type too good. Uh, what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do, what is I what I will not to do, I agree with the law that is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin dwells in me. For I know that it is in me, that is in my flesh. Nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I cannot find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now I do what, now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it sin that dwells in me i find then a law that evil is present with me the one who wills to do good for i delight in the law of god according to the inward man but i see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members oh wretched man that i am who will deliver me from this body of death i thank god through jesus christ our lord so then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, with the, with the flesh, the law of sin. When I read this, I went, yay. <laughs> you know, this incredibly holy and righteous man, this, this committed person, uh, I felt 
okay, I get it. You know, I'll always be fighting that battle. You know, I'm not going to be done with it. It's not going to be something that I'm, okay, I'm over. The only time I'm going to be over is when I'm face-to-face with the Lord, you know, and I get rid of this thing. Right now I'm ready to get rid of it. <laughs> if we say we have no sin, First John 1 John 1.8, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I love verse 10 almost more. I, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. We've got to remember, no matter how hard we try, we're shackled to the fall and always will be. And because of that, prayer, the word of God, and fellowship will always be our weapons against our temptations. You guys keep me accountable. You guys keep me accountable. I need to come to church. Uh, without coming to church, I'd, I'd be, I'd be uh, vulnerable, you know. I know you guys love me, and I love you. And that's the love that we share for each other and the, and the commitment we have to Christ together is something that keeps us going and keeps us straight. Most significantly, though, the Word of God. Looking back at Matthew chapter 4, which we read earlier using Jesus, as we should as our example, let's use the Word of God as a weapon against our temptations best we can. Read, recited, remembered, however you want to apply it, however you want to apply it, uh, there's power. There's the power we need right there. And it's not like... uh, uh, it's not like I've got a lock on, on you know, on, I don't have a good memory when it comes to, to Scripture. You know, I'm not one of these people that just rolls Scripture off. Like I call some of those people, I think, just between us, I think a lot of those people are phonies. There's a lot of phonies. I call them cliche Christians. Uh, you know, they're praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But, you know, you see the way they live and it's not the same. Uh, not all desires draw us away. If you desire to walk with the Lord shoulder to shoulder every day of life, your desire is profitable. That's a good desire. Uh, uh, but just as a hot jelly donut, juicy hamburger, pint of decadently rich ice cream do not appeal to everyone the same, our desires are all different. They're all very personal. Uh, and we all have to deal with them within ourselves. Uh, all, not all desires are bad. Like I just said, if you want to walk with the Lord every day of your life, you want to serve him, that's good. Uh, but there are desires that will draw you away from the Lord. Now, we all find our solutions by, by drawing water from the same well. It's the word of God. That's where we find our solutions. We, right here. We got our solutions. He gave them. My wife calls this the owner's manual. It's true. Uh, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, John 1, 1. Here's here's kind of a flip-flop on desires. You can pick them out, uh, the good ones and the bad ones. Proverbs 21, 25. Desire the lazy man kills him, for his hand refused to labor. Romans 10, 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Good desire. Genesis 3.16, to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. Pain you shall bring forth children. Desire shall be for your husband. He shall rule over you. Not too good. 
Luke 22:15. Then he said to him, "With fervent desire, I desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer." Psalms, for the wicked boast of his heart's desire; he blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. Proverbs 18:1. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire; he rages against all wise judgment. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Temptation for ungodly things puts us in peril. Sin is like roses. They're beautiful and they're alluring. In the beginning, it's roses, roses, roses. But in the end, it's thorns, thorns, thorns. You know, that's how it works. It's born of... if. If it's born of our desires in our sin nature, if that's where our temptation comes from, and that's really what we're talking about here, then, uh, and we don't bring our thoughts into captivity, we have to live out the consequence of our desires. And uh, James lays out a roadmap in verse 15, the last verse of the study. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Desire just seems to bubble out of our minds like bubbles in a glass of sparkling water. The unwanted conceptualization, the unwanted thoughts <laughs> of desire is not, that's not a sin. That's not a sin. Having a bad thought is not in itself a sin. If you're having, a, if, if having a bad thought was enough to condemn us to hell, Satan would be busy building room additions uh, for all of us. (laughs) I hope for myself and also for you that the longer we walk with the Lord, the less prone we are uh, to these spiritual annoyances. And that's what they are. They're spiritual annoyances. You know, you're bound to get them. You're bound to get them. It's what you do with them. That's the problem. X has hammered us for a very long time about getting our thoughts into captivity, you know. Uh, he can keep on hammering me as far as I'm concerned because I need all the reminders I can get. I need to be reminded constantly. Uh, when those la- bad little thought bubbles uh, form deep in our sin nature, the sooner we become aware of them, the better off we are. It's not fair to say that Satan cannot take a part in our little game, but always remember, he's already destined to go to the bottomless pit. We're not. We're not. He wants company. The map, map that James has laid out in this verse is unmistakable. We all know this road. We've all walked on it. We've all gone down this once or twice. I certainly have. So breaking this verse down, uh, the more I looked at it, they, there was something about it that wasn't nailing me, and I couldn't get what it was. Um, and so I ended up looking in the King James and in the King James, it's not much different, but it's different enough. Uh, here's, uh, here's 14 and 15 in the King James. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth death, sin. And sin, when it is finished, bring, bringeth forth death. So now the one word, desire, has been changed for lust. Okay? The way Adam Clark wrote it, and this is where I all of a sudden became aware of this, when lust hath conceiveth, 
when the evil propensity works unchecked, it bringeth forth sin. The evil act between the parties is perpetrated. Once again, it gets down to bringing your thoughts into captivity. Uh, well, I tried that. It just didn't work. <laughs> just didn't work. Uh, how many times did you try? How many times? Uh, as we walk with the Lord, we falter, we fall. Sometimes we fail. That simple. But we continue to try. Uh, it, the expression, I gave it to the Lord. Uh, I had prostate cancer. And I went through a, a, a spell where every morning at 2.30, I was working too. I was getting up early, going to work, staying late at work. At 2.30 in the morning, I went. Prostate cancer. I just flat woke up. And I didn't have to go, oh, oh, I got prostate cancer. It was like, bam, right there. And I'd go, I'd give it to the Lord, but I'd never go back to sleep. You know, I'd sit there and fret and worry about it, and, and I'd be really freaked out. Uh, one morning, and it's a true story, one morning I, I woke up and I went, prostate cancer. And I go, Lord, I give it to you. <laughs> I went right to sleep. I went, wow. I woke up later, you know, in the morning, time to go to work, and I went, I gave it to the Lord. I really did give it to the Lord, you know. And from then on, I seemed to be free so the point is keep trying <laughs> keep trying you know it took it took a long time for me to get to the point to where i actually did it uh it's like riding a bicycle when you first get on a bicycle you know you know you just keep going over you know i remember my my first bicycle was a big new schwinn i went up then a defender i was I always looked at that den went you know but so Keep trying. Don't don't let a temptation that's got you down over and over again keep getting you down over and over again. You keep hammering it. You keep going at it until finally one day you go, I gave it to him. I really did give it to him. And it's a it's a it's a glorious day. It's a wonderful day when you do that. Uh I looked up uh uh I looked up lust and desire, dictionary uh translations or uh definitions. Here's lust, it's a noun. Intense sexual desire or appetite, uncontrolled or illicit sexual desire or appetite, lecherousness, passionate or overmastering desire or craving, uh, lust for power, art and enthusiasm, zest, relish, an enviable lust for life was the only positive one I found there. Uh, To have intense sexual desire uh, and excessive craving. In desire, it said, to wish or long for, crave, want, to express a wish, to obtain, ask for, request, a longing or craving as something that brings satisfaction or enjoyment, uh, an express wish or request, something desired. And the last one was sexual appetite or a sexual urge. So the way it was written in the New King James was giving me that, to me, there are charged words and uncharged words. Desire, desire to me, was, was kind of benign, desiring things, you know, desiring a jelly donut. Uh, you know, or something else. Uh, there were there were desires that were okay, but when I when all of a sudden it was written as lust, as in the old King James, the new uh, the King James, uh, the sexual desire comes first, while in the definition of desire comes last. Uh, James has written his verse in sexual tones, uh, and that's the way it is: lust, conception, birth, maturity, and then inevitably death, because that is what sin does to you. It kills you. It kills you. Uh, Sin separates you from God. And apart from God, there is no life. That's it. 
James, we're going to see it in chapter 4, the first verse. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your memories, in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet, cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You don't say, hey, I want to whoop this temptation. We must learn to recognize that lust, that desire when it is new at the beginning. That's when you got to get it. That's when you got to get it, when it's brand new, when that thought bubble first comes up, you know, that little nasty thought bubble. You know, I mean, <laughs> well, you know. Uh, <laughs> no, when, you first, when, you, when it first surfaces is when you deal with it, and you can deal with it then, you know. Uh, I say you know a lot. My wife told me that. <laughs> I can't help it. Uh, in Proverbs seventeen fourteen. uh the beginning of strife is like releasing of water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. We have to learn to recognize our good desires from our bad. And quickly, quickly. Uh, uh, frequently, our sin, sin nature manages to cloak itself in false righteousness. You know? You're, <laughs> said it again. Uh, it, remember J- the Jiffy Lube commercial, you can pay me now or you can pay me later? which turned out to be a fraud. Uh, you can have good old-fashioned knock-down, beat-down beat battle with your desires. Bring your thoughts in, in, into cap, cap, captivity before it's conceived or after it's conceived. You can, you've got a choice. You can take care of it before it gets too far down that road because if you let it get too far down that road, you're going to be fighting the big boy. All of a sudden, it's not the same. Uh, so it's like this. You can fight your desires in the beginning or after it's conceived, you can fight with an unruly child. And to kind of paraphrase what James says, uh, until it becomes fully grown, a grown person, and it kills you. In the beginning, you can beat it. And when it's still a child, you can maybe beat it. But if you let sin grow to its full maturity, it's, it's too difficult. It becomes too hard then. Then you've got a real battle on your hands. Then you've got to do something that's like life-changing. So in verse 12, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Successfully enduring temptations will bring you blessing and demonstrate your love for Jesus. Verse 13, let no one say he is tempted. When he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. God is good, and he's on your side. He will not tempt you. Verse 14, but each one when he is tempted is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. We create our own temptations by our lust, by our own desires. The devil doesn't make you do it. You do. And then when desire is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. James has given us a road map. It's bada-bing, bada-bing, bada-bing. It goes right down the line. So there's no reason not to believe you can't emerge victorious. You can. God loves us to the extent that it's impossible for us to really comprehend his love. And this is great. He stacked the deck in our favor. He stacked the deck in our favor. 1 Corinthians, verse 10. Turn there. Or chapter 10. 
and here's here's why why I'm confident, you guys. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. There you go. It's it's all there. Uh, you know ahead of time that you can do it. You know ahead of time that your temptations are going to come. They're not, not going to come. You know, not until we go home. And we can win. We can win this battle. And not only can we win it, we can have a good time fighting it. We can. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. We're grateful, absolutely grateful for your word, your owner's manual that tells us how to live our lives, how to fix the machine, Lord, how to, how to run the computer. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for the grace that you pour out on us, unmerited favor. And we thank you for a love so incredible we can't comprehend it. May you bless everyone here. May each person here go into the evening, Lord, safely and start the day tomorrow and finish up this week beautifully. Lord, we thank you for all that we have. Everything we have is from you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.